Yo, what's going on? What's going on? It's your boy, Josue. We here. We chilling. We live. Another episode with you guys. What's going on? Today, we're about to tackle a, a real sensitive issue. Um, only because somebody over here, like myself, who has a bias with defending the church. Sometimes I have to listen to those who leave the church. They, they walk away from the church. And they almost evidently walk away from the faith, not all the time. Some people believe in God, and they don't. They do not attend church. They still believe in God. Now, I got a few guys here going to help me out, kind of dive into this topic. I don't know if you guys want to go ahead and introduce you guys selves one by one, but we got some characters, we got some personalities. What's going on, my man, Pastor Ethan? What's up, Sway? What's going on, B? What's up, bro? <coughs> How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. I'm excited. I, this is actually some of the topics I'm like really, really passionate about. So I was like, I'm definitely going to. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Just make sure that microphone is close up. What's going on, Miguel? What's going on, Josue? Not much, man. Not much. Today, um, I thought you could really, you know, give some thoughts, some some hood thoughts. Wisdom. Some, yeah, hood wisdom. Some hood wisdom. Hood wisdom. Hood wisdom on Christ. Hood wisdom on Christ. <laughs> hood wiz. What's going on, Pastor Jordan? How's it going? Not much, man. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad because it, it almost takes... Like biting my nail off to get you here. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's me trying to hang out with Tony too. You know, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> you can't say that if Tony don't have the mic to respond. <laughs> That's why I said that. <laughs> so we're down to nine fingernails. <laughs> nine fingernails. Good to be here. Good to be here. Finally. All right, we got last but not least, my man Tony. What's hey. going on, bro? T Bone. Not much. No. Not much. Yeah. Not much. <laughs> You seem, to have, you, you seem to have enjoyed his last time he was here, so I thought, yo. I did. I'm just terrible on intros. I, I can't do them. Save All right. Life. All right. <laughs> my name Obviously, is you don't have the enthusiasm Tony. to be a, a wrestler <laughs> because you have to have that kind of enthusiasm to make an intro. I have enthusiasm. <laughs> All right. Today, we got Josue on the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, before we even get into this, guys... I mean, what are you, what is you guys like initial thought when I brought up the top three reasons people leave the faith, like what's or the church? What was you guys' kind of like initial thoughts to the, the topic? Um, well, well, really, what caught me off guard was the top three reasons. There's a million. I know people that left the church because they had Santa Claus in the Christmas play. Mm. Like, there's just. Endless reasons. So top three was Santa Claus is a legitimate reason to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That same, get that same clause. That's right. You get him out of here. Yes. No, I, I mean, I, I'm right there with you. There's tons of reasons that people leave and they will find any excuse whatsoever to try to walk out of church to justify themselves for not <laughs> being there in the first place. Um, I mean, you know, top three reasons you can kind of, Take a dart and throw it, and you've hit the top three very easily. Yeah. See, that's the reason why I had to come up with at least three. I mean, I could have came up with 10, 15, 20, but then that would have just extended to so many episodes. And I'm sure people just kind of want to get the idea of three and then hopefully get to the um, the other parts that could have, you know, hit other um, reasons for why people leave the faith. Uh, how about you, Tony? What's up? Absolutely. I think at the end of the day, it's – 
it's never going to be one reason that someone leaves the church. It's always going to be a multitude of things happening over time. The same reason why someone leaves a job um, or leaves any other fellowship even um, is that there's just continual problem after problem after problem and then eventually just gets to the point, I can't take it anymore. Mm. That's true. That's true. Um, Ethan, you got any thoughts before we begin? Yeah. um, Like they said, there's an endless number of reasons why people leave. Yeah. Some of them are perceived and some are like our actual reasons for leaving. Like we would agree with someone to leave. Yeah. Um, so for me, I have like, I wrote down, you said you asked for three. So I wrote down like just the three top reasons that personal reasons why just like general reasons why people leave. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get into that today. Too easy. Awesome. Too easy. So let's begin with the <laughs> number one reason. And so this specific word will encompass a lot of different things, mm-hmm. right? But I think um, we'll get into some reading the scripture, but it's the love of sin. And so, like, I truly believe that sin will pull you away from God. I don't know who it was or D.L. Moody, but they said if you, if you don't read your Bible, right, that will pull you away from God. Not attending church will cripple your walk with God. It's like the beginning of your spiritual decayness. Mm-hmm. And often than not, I, I will hear someone say, well, I don't have to go to church. I can hang out with friends, right? Or as I have it here, a God and I have our own personal relationship. And I don't feel like it's wrong. I still pray and talk to God. So let me... Uh, get over here into uh, the book of Romans. Sorry, guys. Um, And then we can follow up. I probably should have had that up before this whole thing started. So, uh, book of Romans, chapter 1, and uh, verse 24. What was that? Oh. (laughs) 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 So, so, um, let me go back to this. Romans 1, 21 and 24, it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. The key words here would be, for although they knew God. It's not like they didn't know God. They know God, but they continue to live out in their futile and darkened mind. Any thoughts, guys? They knew God, right? Yes. Yeah. That, 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 that's, that's such a, a key part there is that they knew God. But now put that into context, context of relationships with people, mm-hmm. right? I know Pastor Russ. But do I have an in-depth relationship with him? Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Or I know Fulano from down the street, my neighbor. I know Fulano too. I, I see Fulano every day. I say hi when I come out of my driveway. I mm-hmm. wave to him. I know him, mm-hmm. but I don't know him. Right. And I think that's where the danger comes in. When you have a superficial knowledge of someone, or in this case, God, mm-hmm. it becomes dangerous because you know him in a, in such a way that, yeah, I know about him. Oh, yeah, he's the son of, he, he, you know, he's, he's, he's our savior. He sent his son to die on the cross for me. 
yeah, I know what he did. Right. But it's Tuesday, and I'm going to go to wherever to go buy something from some place that I shouldn't be at in the first place. Mm. Yeah, it's cultural. It's kind of a, a cultural norm. You guys understand? That's what I was going to say was you can know about people but not know them. Mm-hmm. Like, we all we all know each other here, but we really don't know each other. Exactly. Right. And so, right. And, and also, I don't think this is what the verse is saying, but it could even kind of be talking about, like, what what exactly do they know about God? Mm-hmm. Is right. what they know about God mm-hmm. misunderstood? Yep. Mm-hmm. And honestly... <clears throat> well, I think, I think what Paul right here is writing is that they have the truth that a God does exist. Okay, yeah, I was going to interrupt because I don't, I, we shouldn't misinterpret the passage here because it's literally just talking about all mankind, and that's important. But I think to speak to that, we're not, it's not entirely false for us to use this for a church because literally, you know, all this is talking about, in general, people can know that there's God, mm-hmm. but then it also speaks to the fact that there are people in churches who all they know about God is what everybody else technically should know that oh there is someone who created the universe oh they and they never go back you know they never go yeah past. I didn't I didn't I, I'm I'm agreeing with you I'm saying yeah. here is for all that they knew God I'm not saying that they knew about Christ or they knew about right. about the things He's done or the sacrifice they have an idea that a God or the God okay. exists because if you continue to read it says though they knew they know God's righteousness decree right that those who practice those things deserve to die. They not only do them, but they appro- they give approval to those who practice them. So they know that God exists, and they know that certain things are wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so okay. it's, he's a, he does, he's, yeah. he's clearing up that there's a God, and yes. that there is a decree. There's a good. There's there's righteousness, and there's like unrighteousness that he's okay. clarifying here. Cool. So, I think <coughs> another thing I would another thing I would add was um, <laughs> I think we're, I think we'll get to this, but I think a lot of people especially young Christians will get into a church and what they perceive of the pastor is what they kind of perceive of God. So when they're harmed by the pastor, the pastor says something inconsistent or when the pastor's humanity comes out, they think, Oh, well that I'm done with God or even it just forget pastor, even general Christians. Um, so that has nothing to do with the love of sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, when we when we when we go here to a, to a love of sin, right? It says, "How does the love of sin begin to draw us apart from God?" So we'll give a few examples of how the love of sin can draw us apart from God. So uh, someone who just loved to, let's say, practically uh, play games, right? So the love of playing games, you are you are um, idolizing the video game. Uh, it's taken away from reading the scriptures is taken away from uh, being engaged with in fellowship. It's people who sacrifice their Sunday mornings to say, well, I worked so hard throughout the week. I think I deserve to play a few more hours. I'll probably just watch a sermon on, on TV. And I'm going to miss out on fellowship. And so this love of playing video games is literally putting your relationship with God at stake. And, and you're, you've literally turned your video game, your PlayStation into a God. Because you're dedicating time to this false God that's, that's kind of pulling you away from the true God. Or you can do it close. You're not properly stewarding your money correctly. You should be at least giving the church some money, right, to help out with the congregation, help out with the church funds, help out with volunteers and people who go out and to do missionary. But you said, no, I'm going to buy more shoes and more sneakers. So your closet or your wardrobe has become your idol. You've literally made... A, a, uh, a platform, you, uh, what is it called? Uh, 
just just a place of worship. Pedestal. A pedestal. Yeah. You take, yeah, you take photos of it. You put it on Instagram. Look at my I, clothes. Sorry, I was actually going to say, <coughs> I don't. I think more specifically than the love of sin, I think it's actually that they hate the conviction of sin. I don't think I, that they yes. actually go. I don't think they actually avoid church because they love their sin. I don't think it's that per se. I think it's more of they don't want to go to church because that is where their sin is revealed. I think it. That's what's I more. Think, I think those two things. And can yes, you're compl- right. I, I agree that it. it's it's this. Obviously, mm-hmm. them being convicted of sin bothers them because they love it. Obviously, right. But I just wanted to clear clarify because, <clears throat> again, I mean, I, I think there are church members that that sit in church every day that have a pet sin that they will not get rid of, mm-hmm. but they'll sit through a service. Oh yeah. I think it's a. I, I think it's those that maybe. May, I, I even would say that it's probably generally younger Christians. I keep bringing that back because I, I feel like mature Christians. It's harder for them to kind of step away from church. I think younger Christians in the faith who aren't discipled, it's easier for them to step away. So when it's younger Christians in the faith, it's not the fact that they love their sin more. It's that they don't like it exposed by the Holy Spirit. They don't like it being talked about. Well, they don't like the conviction. They don't like the conviction. They don't like the conviction. Where else are you going to get convicted? Mm. Their home, they're not really convicted. That's really where sin is. Uh, mm-hmm. Sin abounds. True. Uh, so so I, w- I would even go as far as saying I think some. I think a lot of Christians or a lot of people who go who go to church, or maybe avoid the church, they don't want to know the knowledge of sin. It it's really true. Like that's a very valid point. It's you think about it. We live in a society today where everything is acceptable and okay. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do what you want to do. Everyone's going to love you for it. And that's mandated almost, right? If you don't love someone for what they do, you're at fault. Not the person that's sitting, right? It's mm-hmm. it's the person that doesn't like the fact that they're sitting. Um, when they go into church, then that's almost like reversed. Um, so there's going to be two things that happen if that's what they want and they want to feel almost enabled, essentially, right. is they're going to either find a church that enables them, whether you want to call that a church or not, is up to your own, um, and then, or they're going to leave it, right? Yeah. Um, it's really a matter of that, and that's just the sin pulling them away, uh, mm-hmm. and then like he mentioned, it's about being convicted. They leave because they don't want to feel bad about it, right? Right. The sin is wrong. They know it's wrong. Mm-hmm. But if they don't think or hear the fact that it's wrong, it doesn't process in their brain. Mm. That makes sense. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I have a quote I have a quote here from Charles Spurgeon. It says, if you will not have death unto sin, you shall have sin unto death. There is no alternative. If you do not die to sin, you shall die for sin. If you do not slay sin, sin will slay you. I love this quotation because if you do not stop the sin that's pulling you away from the church, that's pulling you away from God, then ultimately sin will slay you. And how this goes with the church, people leaving is people are willing to say, I used to go to church. I no longer go to church anymore. I'm in my 30s. I've gotten, I, I'm tired of the church. I, I used to love this pastor. The pastor's no longer there. I leave the church. Your focus was the pastor. It wasn't even the church. Your motive is to go to church to hear the word of God, to be fed, not for the pastor. And so they'll leave the church. And there's other reasons that kind of encircle or encompasses that one specific reason. But I think that it's sinful. I think those those thoughts of like entertaining them 
and pursuing them, and then you walk in a way, I think those things are. I think. Uh, a role. Did you want to say something? Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say. Um, I, I think this is. I think this is linked to the discussion. Maybe. Maybe if it goes off a rabbit trail, just stop me. But the quote. Uh, it just reminded me of of how some might feel that it's really tiresome to solely rely on yourself to fight off sin. Mm-hmm. I think it has to be said that it is the Holy Spirit's job to help you. It's his job to mm-hmm. sanctify you in the first place. But he obviously wouldn't do it with you not being willing. You have to be submissive to him. So the long-term goal is to fight off sin, put it to, to rest, mm-hmm. put sin to rest. That's not an overnight thing. So it also isn't in our own strength. But I know a lot of people that would and have left church because they were so tired of fighting their own sin, they could not see progress. <laughs> Again, it's not solely on us, and I, I wish, I kind of wish, and maybe he did, this is just a quotation, I wish he would have mentioned that in this quotation, that mm-hmm. it's not just about us putting sin to death. Christ did that, we accept it, but the Holy Spirit purges our uh, us of that sin yeah, and it's a long term game. It's not a short term goal, you know. Right. And so I, I felt like I had to say that because a lot of people also leave church because they're frustrated with their own sanctification. They don't mm. allow it to, to, to actually take its time and take do its it. time, like take its course. It hasn't worked yet, so right. I so I must be. I, I pray yeah. every day that I would stop looking at pornography, and I don't. I, it's like, okay, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a long game. It's it's a purging. Purging is not mm-hmm. overnight, especially yeah. in the Christian life. Go ahead, Miguel. I lost my train of thought. Oh, was man. I figured that's gonna happen. Can can I add something? No. Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move on to the next to the next okay. thing here. But yeah, go for it. Um, yeah. it's it's just like looking at this passage here, and like you you listen to what it's saying about these are. It's talking about people who are you know who are lost, um. But the sad part is that, like, we're describing lost people, and we're literally also describing people who are Christians in the church. Right. Like, they know God, and they're going their own way. And honestly, every single point that we're going to bring up tonight, I literally, like, I know everyone has their own faults. Like, everybody has their own individual responsibility, you know, their own soul liberty to do whatever the heck they want to. But at the same hand, like, all of these things that, all oh, people are leaving the church, like, that's on the church. Like, I'm listening to this, and, like, it shouldn't be that, People I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can agree with you that I don't well, think that it's just the church. I don't think you could just no, no, point I didn't say the just church. church. I said a lot of it is on the church because it's the church's job to feel to to God put on the church to say, hey, like you are here for a community. You're not just here to preach the truth. Okay, you're here to be, to be love. So if you don't give these people community, then they won't have the support they need. Because um, right, right, right but the but by people leave from it is literally because of that. Like they have their own choices. I get it. Like there's they're fools for living in their sin. But at the same hand, the church isn't doing them a solid either because they're letting these young adults go on the sin. All they're saying is you shouldn't do that. They're not saying, hey. They're just you pointing out problem. where they're doing it wrong, but right. not necessarily. Okay, I wasn't agreeing there first, but I understand now. Yeah, yeah that's you what I'm Well, yeah, and you I don't I, walk it, them through their right, how to it, battle their, their sin. Exactly. There's and no so they, they, don't, they, exactly. they either think either I have to be perfect or I live in my sin. It's right. easier to live in sin. And it's because churches miss out on the idea of equipping. Like, you don't just. Watch someone get saved. Praise Jesus! Like if you don't equip them, then yeah, right. you literally mm. save them. That's called it. And so discipleship save. really would be yes. There's right. no discipleship. Equipping discipleship, yeah. same thing. And ba- basically, you save them to sin again. Like that's literally what happens. A lot of churches do that. Okay, so 
I agree with everything you're saying. I think uh, an area where I would have to defend the church would be that the church can't progress if people are so impatient to help the church. So if I have a skill, let's say my skill or my ability is to love people and, and be patient with people, and I know that the church probably lacks that, that one specific church, right, because we can't speak for all churches, the one specific church that lacks patience and love, I have that ability to teach them that. But I leave the church. I didn't help the church. Mm-mm. Right. It's if anything, I, I, I helped the church street. go further down the hill. Right. My responsibility, as always, even in the military, is if you're going to point out a problem, be, be the, the solution. solution. Yes. So when people yeah. say, well, I don't like this church because the pastor um, didn't do, uh, you know, a kid service or what, what are you doing? Are you a member? Right. That's why, are that's you helping? why I said it's a two way street. Right. Yeah. So it's not always street. the church, but no. unfortunately the church is the person looking itself in the mirror we and saying, to. well, I guess I'm the one that's always messed up. We have to, but bringing <laughs> it back to the love of sin portion, mm-hmm. you know, as, as someone coming into the church who is being bombarded with the fact that they, they, that they sin, right. Mm-hmm. Being confronted with their sin. There needs to also be on the church's part to love them through that. Mm. You know, it's, it's just like with your kids. Yes. You want to correct them. Yes. You want to make sure that you're directing them in the right direction and making sure that they're doing things appropriately. But at the same time, I can't sit there and be like, Isaiah, you need to make sure you do this. Isaiah, you're doing this wrong. Isaiah, you're doing this wrong. You need to make sure you correct this. Why didn't you do this that way? Right. Without loving and guiding him through it as well. And it's funny because a lot of what happens with the church as far as how we handle things as a church community, as a church body, kind of reflects back to being a parent, mm-hmm. you know, because we have to be able to be as a church structured for them, for those people that are coming in, for the believers that are already there and the new and the new people that are coming to visit. But at the same time, being able to love on them in, in, in an encouraging way, being able to be willing to speak to new people, mm. you know, not be closed off, not be standoffish when we see people that come into the church that may not dress the way that we would have wanted them to to come into church or something like that. Yeah. Um, so th- th- there's definitely a lot that goes hand in hand between the church and the person as an individual. Yeah. But it, it, it's... It's a it's a very delicate balance that we have to find. Before we move on, I want to I want to add to that though, and not not clearing that up for anyone here, but for those who might be listening new to the faith or something like that, loving them through it is not validating that they're okay. Correct. It's not enabling. Correct. It's not, it's not saying that what you're doing because, is right. Right. Because God did not do that for us. Nope. Right. He He said, "I love you, but I'm dying for your sin, and I will assist you in overcoming." those habitual sins. Right. It, it, and what that looks like is, again, developing, what did you say? Or you said equipping, right? Equipping disciples. Disciples. Right, the same right. Thing. Yeah. Their way out of that and not just saying, you got to change. You got to change. Yeah. Right. You got to yeah. say, oh, okay. <laughs> and it's funny because that's a perfect segue into what the next yeah, piece yeah, is going to be. Yep, yep. Which right. is, uh, so we got, so we got this uh, issue that Christians are apparently um, just labeled, right? Uh, it's called hypocrite. And so the meaning of a hypocrite is a person who puts on a false appearance or a virtue or religion, a person who acts in contradiction to his or her stated beliefs or feelings. And um, uh, we have this other issue called the poor Christian examples. Now, before I get to these passages here, um, I want to say that this one had to have been the number one thing that most people 
um, either left the church or refrained from the church. Mm-hmm. Hypocrisy within the church. This, this, I don't know, this growing fungus that um, people will always say, what's well, growing and growing. There's hypocrites everywhere. Uh, the pastor said this, but he was doing this very same thing when he left the, the congregation. Or my mom said, you know, don't say curse words, but just a few minutes ago she just cursed me out. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's like, Christians have Shout to almost forsake. <laughs> <laughs> Christians almost have to forsake their human, their human sinful nature at at all costs, and it's and it's hard and it's unrealistic. And at, and many times we fall, but when the person who's not a believer falls, it's almost perfectly fine for them. Right, right. And I, I'm th- this this specific piece here is something that really, uh, kind of gets me excited in a way because growing up, right, I, I, I was raised Seventh-day Adventist, so I was very uh, structured in what I was able to do, when I could do it, how I could do it, you know, things like that. And I'll never forget, uh, I had a friend of mine every Friday, you know, I had to go in for 6 o'clock, get ready for church on Friday nights. And my buddy was like, why do you go to church every Friday? And Saturday, you, you go to church so much, but you're the worst one out of all of us. Mm. And I looked Ooh. at him, and I was like, Ooh. shade. I was like, okay. <laughs> so rather than seeing it as an opportunity, because I was like 12 or 13, to, you know, share the gospel and say, well, the reason I go is because I'm trying to build my relationship with Christ, who is working in me, right, who's making me into a new creation, because I'm not perfect, but he is. Mm-hmm. I allowed my flesh to take control. And responded with, well, why do you go to the mall every Friday? You still dress bummy. And walked away. <laughs> oh, you know? man. So we're not laughing. You That's, know? Not <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's a soundtrack. Right yeah. There. So, so uh, in, in, and again, like, like, like you, you've touched on a few times, uh, Jordan, the, 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 the youth, right? There's, we, we have the knowledge, right? We know what we could have said. We know what we should have said. But we don't respond the way that we need to. And when it comes to hypocrisy as Christians, as soon as they find out that you are a Christian, there is immediately a target on your back as to, oh, let's see what he's going to do now. Right. right. Oh, let's see what he says now. Like at, at, at work, um, there's I, I, have, I have one teammate who will always say something in regards to me being a Christian. So they, I, I'm, I'm Pastor Diaz over there. I'm, I'm the preach. I'm the holy <laughs> one. I'm the one over there. But, you know, let let something happen where it may not feel that it lines up with what their expectations are of a Christian. Oh, is that is that what the Lord would do? Mm. All I said was shucks. You know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's 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 very it's very challenging sometimes. Like you were saying, Josue, that, you know, people see us in a certain way and expect us to be perfect at all times. But in actuality, that's not what we're called to be. Yeah. We're mm. called to be like Christ, but that is working towards being like him through the strength that he gives us and the transformation he puts in us. Mm. Not the fact that we are going to be like him in the fact that we are perfect. And, right, right, right. and that's what the world doesn't understand. You were you said something in the beginning that like worked, like fits in perfectly now. How, like I think it was a close way and you like before we even turned on that uh we you were talking about putting something on a pedestal classic example the church has done a really bad job at putting people on pedestals and what do people outside the church see they don't see the church members who are they don't see the just the general like oh like 
they love each other. No, they see like, oh, they follow this dude. Oh, they follow this this chick. And so because of that, now we have people outside of church looking in saying like, oh, Christianity is Mother Teresa. You know what I mean? Like our Christianity right, right, right. is, and no, don't get me wrong, we should honor honor to whom honor is due, right? So we should honor those yeah. people. But then because we put them on a pedestal, now people outside look mm. at that person and say, this is what Christianity is about. So they, they we put we put these people in glass houses, and then we fall. We make them our examples to right. everybody else. Like, see right. this person? So when they fall, we just shot ourselves in the foot. And so I, I, was just, I did a, a study, like, actually, like, a year and a half ago on, like, why young adults leave church. It's not, it's not like full spectrum, obviously, and it's a limited. So I think they did like a thousand something people, mm-hmm. um, but ages twenty three to thirty, the t- top second, this like the top two reason, number two of why people young adults are leaving church, church members seem judgmental or hypocritical, and that again I I keep saying this it's a mark on the church mm-hmm. because you expect people to be perfect, and well, well because we've put the we've unfortunately not we I think our church does a great job at this but. Other churches, most churches do a terrible job of saying, hey, like, a good Christian is someone who's perfect. Not someone who's like Jesus. That's the yeah, big, big I mean, difference. so it's, so. I think it's a, it's a fault with those who are not in the faith. Mm-hmm. Like, I go to school and I have to practically learn atheism in school to get an understanding of what atheism is. But unfortunately, for those who are not Christian, they have no homework to know what Christianity is. And so they already have these presupposed ideas of what the church is and say, well, aren't you a Christian? Aren't you supposed to be, um, I guess, perfect? And you're like, well, aren't you a human being? Don't you want a Bible so you can read it? Because that's not what we're called. Right. And so, so yeah, so there are things that as Christians we fail as far as saying we're not perfect to clear it up. But, I mean. But whose fault is that, right? It's not. It's not the non-believer in that no, case. No, it's not the non-believer. It's, right. it, it's not, right? It's yeah. up to Christians to start prefacing and being like, look, I'm not perfect. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. I have yeah. to constantly work on myself to better myself. Yeah. Right? And in the same way that hypo- uh, hypocrisy and idolizing someone, you have Ooh. to preface. You don't idolize a person, right? You have to be a good example to draw someone to Christianity. I was literally about to say that, yes. that it's it, we were meant to be we are meant to be we are exactly. called exactly. to be examples, not but idols. Once right. we a become big difference between difference. the two, but once we've become that example and draw them to Christianity, we have to point them to Jesus. Right, it's but we but step part, out of the way. But part of the example is that we're, we're not flawless. Mm-hmm. Part of the example is not perfection. Mm-hmm. Part of the example is that I need as much repentance as anyone else does. Right. I need Christ as much as anyone else does. That's actually, we're not actually, okay, when it says, when we're supposed to be Christians, in, in obviously there are, what's it called? There there are um, immutable attributes of God. Yeah. What's the other word? Mutable and immutable. There are mutable. Okay, so mutable would be we can, we can love. Okay, mm-hmm. not to the extent that Christ loves, obviously. But we can love. We are we are called to love unconditionally. Okay, mm-hmm. that that's not a that's not a calling. It's not a gift. Not a skill. It is a command. We are called. We are. I'm sorry. We have to say what's not a calling. We are, we are commanded to love, but we're we're not going to be as holy as God is. Mm-hmm. We are called to look to His holiness and strive for that with the Holy Spirit's help. But we'll never arrive uh, arrive there. 
this side of heaven. And so the problem, kind of going back to what you were saying, was that we have put the standard on ours, not from God. We have set the standard to be perfect. God hasn't. God never said that we had to be perfect. Uh, God actually talks about the perfecting or the maturing of the saints, which means we'll never attain it until we see Christ. And so what would help is if we be a witness of the church being a hospital and not a place for perfect people. It's a per, it's a place for sick people. In your situation, Miguel, when you were younger, it it, it and I'm, if anyone were there, uh, you the the not to convict you, but no no, no but but the 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 response in those situations, I think I think you would agree, would be yeah, I, I'm a mess. That's exactly why I go. I need help. I need to go to church because I am I'm a mess. One hundred percent. But that also comes back to us having wisdom in what we're doing. Yes. Right? Because at that age I was in church, not out of my own decision, but out of the fact that I was being raised. Mm. Right? So when you're in church <coughs> and, and and this this I think is where a big issue comes in is that when you're attending church because you have to, then the onus of being the example to others, you don't feel it. You, what's up? Question. Talking about ownership, did did you? What did accountability look like for you when you were at that church as a teenager? Did you have someone like? Did you have like a youth pastor or like a Sunday school teacher who would check on you and say, "Hey, how you doing, Miguel? Like, what's going on in your life? Tell me." No, nothing. Nope. I'll be uh, I'll, I'll be very transparent. The, the accountability wasn't there, accountability. and that's and yeah. that's something huge. Um, because I, I did have a couple people there that that I was very open and transparent with, but the openness was more so the things that I've done wrong, mm-hmm. not for getting it off my chest to ask for forgiveness from the Lord. But more so to say, yo, I did this and I did this Check and, it I, out. Yeah. <laughs> and I did this. So it was a lot of it was like a lot. Of, a lot of it was like kind of ragging and boasting, like yeah. like right. accolades, right? right. So exactly. I've done all these X, Y, and Zs, and so look at me, look where I'm at, look what God have done in my life. Right, it's your turn. Where's yours? Right. Um, I think these types of poor Christian examples will lead many people astray. Mm-hmm. They have. I think uh, things that happen with, um, with with pastors who are being idolized. And then they fall will lead people astray. Unfortunately, maybe not someone who's mature, but usually it will be someone who it probably came new into the faith, really idolize a pastor, thinks he's super cool. I don't know if they, I would say they're very mature and needy in scripture, maybe. And then when, when Jimmy Swagger's, when Jimmy Swagger fall, everyone's like, yeah, that's it. I can't do this anymore. He fell. There's no way. Or let's say, you know, Hillsong's pastor fell. I can't follow Christianity anymore because this poor Christian example. And I'm not saying that the reason why that individual left Christianity was because of that one's pastor's fault. It could be a straw that broke the camel's back. Well, I would say it was that person's probably accumulative experience that said, you know what? What mom said was true. What my friend said was true. Christianity is a fluke, is a joke. How could they possibly have the truth and live in such a way? But I definitely want to keep on moving. And so I'll leave you with the last thing and I'll read this and we'll continue. Oh, I was just going to 
Just move on. Oh, <laughs> so uh, in Titus one sixteen it says they claim to know God, but their actions they deny Him. They were uh, detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Now this is actually referring to the what's the call? What's that word? The cestial, right? In Titus, uh, he was told to um, yes to, to have an elders <laughs> to put elders right, um, and so the pastors. <laughs> I concur. Yeah. Okay. Pastors. Can, yes. can I? Are you going to add? Some I'm trying. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to find the word here on, on the scripture as is, referring. Is that a word in the, the Crete? The the Cretians. The Cretians. Yes. 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 But the but the uh, these these yes, types of like these types of attributes are are, are very much applicable. Sure. Let's go on to the. Wait. 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 I want to add one more thing since Tony didn't. Okay. Take advantage of this. I was going to say. If you want to really turn away kids from church, be a hypocrite in your home. Ooh, mm. come on. That's good. Okay, yeah, so that. we talked about this on Sunday, a Sunday night. And I had said, no, maybe maybe it wasn't. Maybe I, I don't remember. I was talking about this recently. Part of being an example of the believer, oh, it was, it was Sunday. We were just talking about being leaders, uh, examples, good good examples. I said part of that is actually admitting when you're wrong, like not trying to cover it up um, or being something at church and not that in in home, you know. We're, and I, I honestly even think that it's hypocrisy. I mean, you know, this, this – and you guys – kind of know this i don't want to get into it but the worship experience has been a new awakening for me i didn't i didn't know anything about worship until this past year okay genuine worship and i'm thinking we worship on sundays pretty well but i i'm concerned about the homes when it comes to worshiping or loving we love each other pretty well how about our spouses or our children? Are we there for each other more than them? And so I think that kind of hypocrisy as well, especially for pastors, we are there for everyone else and serve everyone else more than our families. And so I think that is a sign of hypocrisy as well that needs to disappear. I, I really want to touch on the whole kids thing too. A little, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit is it's so funny. Like when you're a kid and speaking from obviously recent experience, cause I'm only 23, right? When you're a kid and you, <laughs> no, I'm 25, <laughs> and your parent, you know that they're wrong when they're wrong. You know it. And, and by the way, teenagers can sn- they can oh, sniff absolutely. hypocrisy and fake uh, and what fakeness is 100%. that word? Fakeness and nothing <laughs> makes a kid more feel more mad or uh, annoyed at hypocrisy than when they know their parents are wrong and their parents don't fess up to it. And and parents really need to stop that, too, because at the end of the day, that's a sin. That's pride. That's I'm too prideful to admit that I am wrong or that I can be wrong. I am the parent. I am always right. That's a sin. Right. I agree. Yeah. So <laughs> let's let's continue this with the uh, the church hurt. If I had a drum roll beat, which I recently deleted, I wouldn't be able to do it. All right. So church hurt. Um, that's per- that's a cat. This is the real this is the real deal. This is the real deal because um, ultimately. Uh, these are the stories that really do drag, uh, you know, a spirit in your heart because you're like, man, this is real. 
So I'll give you guys a few of these examples I found online. A young couple forced out of their church after they stood up to a narcissistic pastor. What is the first word you guys think of? Wait. A young couple forced out of their church after they stood up to a narcissistic pastor. A pastor that everything has to revolve around them. It's a cult. Mm, Let's throw back this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not surprised. Yeah, second one. uh, A kind-hearted woman who was told that she would burn in hell if she made friends with the wrong kind of people. It's a cult. (laughs) It's a cult. That's a cult. (laughs) Independent. That's that's, that's a cult. No, dude, that's that's in any any genre. So, like, I I definitely do have have a line I draw, and I think it's a very wise line, is, um, yeah, Christ hung out with sinners. Um, and, uh, all of a sudden, um, you can talk with them, you can mingle with them, you can understand who they are, you don't have to partake in what they do. True. But I will also go as far as saying is, we're not Christ, and we don't have that type of God-like control, and so there has to be a fine line where we can say, I will hang with you in public, but I'm not going to hang in your house where you're smoking weed and you have alcohol all over the place. It's it's it a matter of influence. Sorry. It's a matter of, for me, it's a matter of, like, influence. Like, as an adult, as a per- you just have to know, you, at, at the end of the day, you do, it does fall on you to know your boundaries. So you have to, you have to know what you're going to allow. Like, how much can you be around somebody bef- when, uh, and that's when they get, then before they start influencing you? Or, like, at what point does me spending time with Jordan cause him to influence me? Look, it, it <laughs> always goes for groups too, right? If you hang around nine people worse than you, you're going to bring yourself to their level. Yes. If you hang around with nine people better than you, you're going to rise up to their level. Yeah. Um, so on that same subject, you you have to, right, as a Christian, you have to reach those that need help, which means putting yourself in harm in that way. That's some, in some way, shape, or form, yeah. Um, you you guys are that, welcome to hang out with me you anytime. You also have to limit your exposure. <laughs> if you go and only hang out with the wrong people to try to save them, you're just going to end up falling like they are. You're toast. Yeah. <laughs> so you do have to limit the amount of time you spend with those people, but you also have to do it. You can't yeah. just sequester yourself to those that are the best because then you can't reach those that need help. Isn't there a song? That's, um, I know there's a, a song that's called Church in the Wild, but Andy Minio came out with a song years ago called Church in the Wild. And... Uh, the whole purpose of the song was what's a wild r- in the church. Okay, that'll preach. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's 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 about Christians okay, going bro. into the wild, into the lions, tigers, and bears. That's how he calls it, right? He refers to it. But it's getting yourself out there in risky areas, in the battle zone, and and meeting people face to face. Not just be not playing the background the entire time, but you want to definitely get, you know, um, up in center. But I want to go back to the fact that obviously we're talking about hurt right now, right? I think what that kind of line, that line, that example speaks to me with is how you say things matters so much. Mm -hmm. There is wisdom. We just spoke about how that wisdom applies in that phrase. But if you go to someone and like, you're going to burn in hell if you talk to this person, right? (laughs) You're turning them away because you're not saying it in a, a positive way. You have to say it like, look, you know. If you continue to hang around these people, you may be influenced by them, especially if you're spending a large amount of time. Just be prepared that they can drag you down, right? You're saying the same thing, but you're saying it in a polite way, which is more likely to go through, not put someone on the defensive, and then also not turn them away from you because of how you say it. I was also going to say that um, 
if if it's true, it, you, what you say may be true, but like you said, how you say it is really really determines how they receive it. But what they're what this is saying is not even true, because nobody is in hell burning because they hung out with the wrong kind of people. Right. Nobody goes to hell for ra- hanging out with, with the wrong crowd. Bad doctrine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just like, uh, it, and by the way, not to get on this rabbit trail, but no one goes to hell because they're gay. Right. Correct. That's not mm-hmm. true. Right. People go to hell for one reason, and that is rejecting Christ as their Savior. Amen. That's Amen. it. That's the sole reason. That's it. Otherwise, every sin that we commit, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, at that yeah. point, at that point, it would be saying that. There's certain sin that's worse than others, right? Right, and, and there is there, there is no tier to sin, right? Yeah. Right. Let's go with the next point. A man who opened up about his struggles, only to behold his depression, meant he lacked real faith. No. Which is afraid to address real issues. Well, <laughs> this one, the lack or of real faith. Too. Well, no, this one specifically, I think it has to do with like word of faith. Um, people of like the the uh, Oprah Winfield, Joel Osteen's. Um, if you. Oprah or even, or even Houston, right? Uh, Bill Houston, his name is from Hillsong. Uh, he'll say stuff such as, um, "If you lack faith, um, or if you're sick, it's because you lack faith. If mm-hmm. um, you don't have a good job, it's because you, you lack faith." Or, or you're uh, just a bad worker, right? <laughs> so all these things have <laughs> apparently, apparently, all these things have to do with lack in faith. Right. Remember that one? I think it was Beth Moore who said that. She, apparently, her story was she had so much faith she was able to tell a tornado. To back away, she and gives I'm a tornado. Respectfully, but sit down. <laughs> 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 so <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, all right, She's sure. A of hot um, air. Now, um, <laughs> you got something to say? Yeah, a uh, couple things. One, like this category from. So when I wrote down my list, I had like three things. The this is, I wrote by generalizing just pain. So pain is like one of the huge reasons why people leave church, right? And some of that is perceived. But there's it, a lot of that is actually real, and a lot of churches just like ignore that. There's literally a whole podcast. Can I shout another podcast on here? I don't really. Is that okay? It doesn't matter. Okay, it's called the Preacher Boys podcast. You should listen to it if mm-hmm. you if you're interested. If you're never if you think that the church is a place where like leaders are perfect, then like these are people who are. They have testimonials of people who have been like scarred. I don't agree with the premise of the pod. I think that honestly, I think stuff like stories like this do more damage. And hurt to the po- cause of Christ, but it is true. Like people are hurt in churches by, you know, uneducated pastors, right? Who are like, oh, depression. I don't really. You just need to be joyful. Yeah, you, you need, be more, you need be more to joyful. The spirit. Um, or like, hey, this lady maybe needs to have maybe wiser choices and friends. Right. And so they say, but they blank. They they don't know how to like equip her and say, hey. No, it's okay for you to be an adult and make grown-up choices and not let me choose for you. And but here's how you here's some of the steps. They don't want to walk her through the steps to being a great friend and how gotcha. to be a godly friend. Yeah. So they say, "Well, you're going to burn in hell." And then the same thing with the, you know, oh, I don't like how you confronted me, so you're out. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I don't, let, me let me add two things. Tag two things. I guess that's that. my one thing I wanted to say. Yeah, I would actually add one more thing to this, and I would e- I actually I would add it to to the last point there, uh, the one you just read. Someone opens up about sexual abuse in the church or out of the church. That's what, like half of the stuff here is. No, no, right here. we don't touch those things. We we fade in the background. That's not our. our it's like what, right? What? Like no wonder there's so much going on about 
social justice and all these like oh, there's yeah. not even justice in the church right especially things about that look i just heard a testimony an incredible testimony of someone who was in a large ministry mm-hmm. who who was was linked to someone who sexually abused people and was directly affected by that had every reason to disappear from the from the church world mm-hmm. but didn't i'm saying that these things need to be talked about addressed i even would say preached on now the thing uh, i'll also say something about the preacher boy i'm glad you said something that the the other caveat about that because yes. yeah. they have sometimes a very bitter spirit yes. towards oh, yeah. churches Yes. So, but but the stories need to they be need told. The story, yeah. They need to be told. I don't. Yeah, that's the thing. Is that yes. you have to eat with a grain of salt because there is a lot of, it's a lot more. Like I said, they're very caustic. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more harm than good to the cause of Christ. Yeah. But those stories need to be told. Like, clear example. I of people that I know personally. I I, I could call them on the phone if I wanted to. Now we got a conversation. Half a dozen people. I very specifically like detail know their story about. Mm-hmm. Not just physical, but like we're literally talking like sexual abuse by leadership in a church, right? Male leadership, and like going back to the glass pedestal thing, mm-hmm. like this is what happens in man worship, right? If they fall, like Christianity goes down bad. If they fall, you go down bad. Like it, when you put someone on a pedestal, now now we're talking like you know someone's kid goes down. No, no, I, I hear you, I hear you, and, and this is so where I think anyways. this is where Matthew eighteen verse six, and we'll get to you, Tony. It's so important. It says, but whoever causes one of these little ones, referring to the young kids, and uh, I believe this is Christ speaking, who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Now, this is referring to young kids. Something tells me, even in this text, referring to people who are babes in the faith and they get led astray by false preachers, by false leaders. And Christ is like, he's a newborn, he's a newborn believer. Here comes a false preacher, and he made him stumble. Mm-hmm. He's not helping him. He's not addressing him. He's not comforting him. He's not doing any of the fruit of the Spirit. He's not doing Galatians 5. He's not steadfast love. He's not self-sacrificing. And all of a sudden, he hurt this person who just came to the faith. Mm-hmm. And this person right now is hurt. These people, these four uh, or three of examples out of so many other examples are hurt because one person actually um, made one of these stumble. And so there's a great deal of responsibility with the position of of a pastor or a co-pastor or a youth pastor or a children's pastor. You have people's hearts in your hand. You know, you have, in a sense, uh, I forgot who called it, you have their blood in your hand for whatever you do, what your actions are. Yeah. You take responsibility for them. Um, so I just want to quickly touch back on the last one. The fact that things like the Preacher Boys exist shows that there's a symptom. That's just a symptom, right? Mm-hmm. The main problem is the fact that it doesn't get dealt with in the church. Yes. That it gets ignored. If yes. that didn't happen, then none of these big explosive allegations and this and that yes. that do damage to the church would happen. Um, continuing on, though, back onto your point. And I lost my train of thought on that. So the, the last point was referring to Matthew 18.6 about Children. people are causing little oh, ones yes. or yeah. adults stumbling right. in their so faith. When someone's new to the faith, most of the time, most likely, they haven't fully read the Bible yet or understood everything in the Bible. Let's get real. Most people don't read the Bible. <laughs> that too, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. even more reason. Um, but 
the thing with that is even if someone's new to the faith, it takes so long to read the Bible. Like, you are going to probably take at least a year to read it your first time, right? And even then, when you read it your first time, you're not going to grasp everything. Oh, less, you're not oh, gonna, oh. It, it would take more than a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to digest time, everything in no. it. You're not yeah. going to understand everything in it, right? So there's... And you know, with the pressure... Uh, well, we're going to get on another point. Go ahead. <laughs> never mind. Um, so you have several years where this person is vulnerable because they don't have the bedrock of knowledge to being taken advantage of, right? Um, and it's up to Christians to, one, provide... Um, if they're being taken advantage of a contradictory view, right, that, uh, mm-hmm. a better view, uh, a doctrine-based view, right, a gospel-based view at the end of the day um, to, to counteract that because that person isn't going to have the bedrock of knowledge they need to say, that's wrong, that's not right at all, especially when they're new and they're just starting to, to read and understand the Bible. Uh, I also, yes. I also like what you said about how those podcasts wouldn't exist had it been dealt with in a church. I'll even be honest with you. I actually, I, I appreciate them sharing those types of stories. I think they need to be told. They're still not dealt with. No. They are actually supposed to deal with them in the church. Yeah. That's the only yeah. way, according to Galatians 6. Yeah. That's the only First way discipline. it is supposed to be dealt with. Um, and a, even, let's say, let's say somebody went to jail. It still has not been dealt with because according to scriptures, it doesn't even mention the law. It mentions before the church, the assembly, they have to be an example of the church. When you do wrong, you're an example of what happens when you do wrong. It also talks about restoration, and that doesn't happen either. So, you know, there's kind of two coins, two sides to the coin where you want to condemn the person who does the heinous act and 100% agree, yes. but the restoration is just as important. I don't know if we want to get on that topic or not. No, we can, can, we, can, can, we, can ho- we can hold that for next time. Can I also talk about church? Uh, the other side of church hurt too? Because sure. church hurt doesn't mean that your sin was called out and now you're hurt. That is not a legitimate reason to leave. That actually wasn't even mentioned. Okay, And there's a reason why, because it's not legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um well, I don't like uh, the color of the carpet. Well, that's stupid. <laughs> no one cares. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I don't like whatever. I don't like. I don't like the per- pastor's personality. Well, good because probably half the church doesn't either. We're not there for the personality of the ch- of the church or the pastor. We're there because we love God. We love His people. Right. Well, let me give you guys a small, uh, it's like a three-minute little um, video Bodie. of Bodie Bokum um, answering the question, when to leave a church. Maybe you guys will be disappointed because you guys are like, Never. I had a good reason to leave, and now I have to hear this episode where the person actually dismantles my reasons why to Ooh, leave. I like Wretched. That's a good channel. He applies the same thing when it comes to marriage. Yeah, he does. Yes. Awesome. Let's check He's this fantastic. out. Let's oh, check it out. Check this out right? yeah. When can I leave a church? Yeah. That's interesting. You, when, when we leave a church, there, there's, there's a way that we leave a church. Uh, we leave a church when we're in right relationship with that church. We don't just pick up our toys and, you know, and go. Um, there can be a variety of reasons for you to leave a church, but it's always to go to a church. You don't leave a church to take your toys home and sit and soak in your own juices. But if God's called you to another place, 
Um, you've had to move or you found a church that better suits you or better fits you. Vody, I, I, I want to, this, this is an issue, you know that, for a lot of people. The church is, well, it's orthodox. It's square there. They'll do discipline, you know, if there's an axe murder. So they, you know, they'll do discipline on a blue moon. But, you know, it's just a little wonky. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. Okay, at what point do I say to my family, it's time to go? Can I? Sure, absolutely. Again, if you find some place that fits you better. But the, the, the idea is not, here's a point that I want to make. It's not church or non-church. Okay, so find, it, it find a this place. church or another church, but it's not church or non-church. And it's not, you know, I, I don't like you. Um, I, you know, you don't, you don't sing the songs that I like. You don't, you know what I mean, wear your hair. Like I keep, I like no, your hair. Keep, no not, keep going. It's not that, it's not the, that sort of Okay, thing. so the pastor doesn't wear a tie when he preaches, I wish he would. That's not a reason to leave. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, we've all got our issues. Yeah. Okay. The, the, con, the music, no, it's contemporary no, no, music, not, and I yeah. prefer hymns. That's yeah. not a reason it, to leave. It's not, it could be. It could be. But here's the question. Can I stay here and not be divisive? If you can stay there and not be divisive and be a source of encouragement and live your life with these brothers and sisters and grow with these brothers and sisters, love, co love covers a multitude of sins. Is a good rule of thumb, if I'm just getting a little bit bitter, and all that we talk about at the Cracker Barrel after church is that rotten service, maybe it's time for me to rethink. I, I think it's time for you to repent. Well, that too. I, I, I think it's tough yeah. for you to repent. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I think that's an important, I'm not just trying to crack wise there, yeah, yeah. because when you get to that place, there's a number of reasons that you could be at that place, and they're not all somebody else's fault. So if you are at a place where you're gossiping and you're becoming bitter and you're just, sometimes when we get to that place, things aren't nearly as bad as we've made them out to be because of the fact that we've rehearsed them over and over and over again. And oftentimes what's needed at that point is really repentance and for us to go to our, our brother and, and say to our brother, you know what, I'm sorry. I've been talking against you instead of praying for you. I, I'm sorry, please forgive me. All right, you don't understand. You, okay, maybe for your church, but for my church, you just don't understand, you would say? No, I don't, but I understand this. You need the church. I understand that the church is the bride of Christ. I understand that you saying that you love Jesus but don't love the church is like you saying you want to be my best friend but you can't stand my wife. Mm -hmm. I, I know that that's unacceptable. And I know that if you have a problem with the church, you have a problem with Christ. If you are terrified to witness to a lonely All right. So with, with that being said, um, I think that Volleyball Club made it very clear that we can't just leave a church and then all of a sudden say, well, I don't like the way X, Y, and Z and how the church is working, and I'm not really going to invest in the church, and so I'm going to leave, and I'm not going to any other church. The purpose for Christians is to fellowship with the saints, not fellowship alone at home, because never have I ever seen Jesus send one person away, and never with two, and, and never not gathered. They always gathered. So... Um, Final thoughts, we're going to uh, just jump to these honorable mentions, which to me is a little funny because it's not like these are good reasons. They're dishonorable. They're dishonorable. Honorable dishonorable, mentions. <laughs> honorable mentions. So um, we have here the lack of relevance. Pastors lack the preaching ability to reach and teach the sheep. I'll be honest with you. I've heard someone say in a video once, I left the church because the pastor did not make his message applicable to my life. He didn't tell me 
uh, how to battle pornography or how to battle um, cigarette addiction or how to battle X, Y, and Z. He just told us the don'ts and the do's. Discipleship. And that's it. So discipleship. 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 Wait, quick response? Uh, well, I mean, that's not relevance. Application is part of applying the, or uh, of preaching the scriptures and teaching it. Mm-hmm. Lack of relevance. The Bible's never been relevant. Well, no, lack never. of relevance to people's lives. Like, if oh, you, I, if I, like, I, uh, okay. I thought you meant like it's not relevant for today. Like, no, like let's like I understand now. Like, I, I think, um, uh, I think with Dave Chappelle, who says that depending on where he goes to, he has to sort of uh, change up his jokes, jokes yeah. to the community. That would make sense. Yeah. So, so, like, like yeah. your style of preaching will work with us because, well, it's it, it keens to us. It works with the way our brain works. But if we were to put you at a, a different church, maybe a Pentecostal church, maybe they won't allow you in, but you can try. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, maybe you have to be a little more charismatic. Well, <laughs> I was, oh. was going to say, because there's two there's two sides of that coin. And we're, I know we're trying to like speed through these, but one is that the, the, the word of God is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction. For, so like the, the preacher's responsibility is to make sure it hits all those. It's not just doctrine. Mm-hmm. A lot of, a lot of like, Independent, like at least in the circle that like our church is in, like the IFB movement, a lot of pastors just focus on doctrine, right, right, right. But they don't focus on the other three things, which is correction, reproof, instruction, righteousness, which is instruction, the others, which is which is it's like the, the how to. Here's not just what to think, but here's how to think, so that in the future I don't have to tell you how to th- what to think. You know, already know what to because I've told you how. Okay. Um. Next one is no plugs. The church offers no week, uh, no weekday gathering for fellowship. Now. This is far and in between. I, I've been to small, you know, Spanish churches, and I have to admit, they have plugs every day. Every day. <laughs> every day. Um, they have the Helias. They have every day. Um, and uh, for even bigger churches, they tend to have a lot of them often. The problem is with the bigger churches is because you are not a name, you're a number in those big churches. Yeah. Now you almost have to find the group and the people and their email and their number and where they live. And for someone who's an introvert, that may not be something that they're willing to step out of their comfort zone to do. So then, again, that's not necessarily the church's fault. That's true, yeah. You know, that's not the church's fault because, you know, no, no, hear, hear me out, hear me out. So I, I came from a larger church where the integration of people in small groups was was pushed. It was encouraged because they knew that if you belong to a group, that's where you start growing your relationship in there, right? That's where you start building roots. They don't have; they, they had a place for you to sign up for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a spot right there. You 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 go there, you get the information on it, and then they'll reach out to you. Mm-hmm. But even as an introvert, you still have to go to that spot and sign up, and True. then have them re- and then have them reach out. Because yeah. right. I I think there's like church. Um, uh, there, there's a way to conduct yourself in the church, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's a, a, a church's uh, a member of a church responsibility to what is it hover after every member that walks in. Lord. In fact, right. that's Lord that that's yeah. a, that to me is I don't want to be here. Exactly, yeah. I, I don't like when people either. come to me and they say, "Here's a slip. Give me see your number. Let me see your yeah. name. Right. Let me see where you're from." That to me is like, whoa, like. I don't Chill even out. know if I want to <laughs> be here because right. I'm just visiting, right? I don't know if this Can is my I get home a yet. First? Um, <laughs> a pen, yeah. a mug. <laughs> I'm going to throw a stat and then a quick thing. So one is that is the number f- that's the number three reason why young adults leave the church is they don't feel connected. Now it is on them. 
but it's also again that's like again it's always two way street. But they don't feel connected with people in the church, so I think that's an individual problem and also a church problem. The other thing I wanted to add though, real quick, was for this thing, no plugs. The church offers no day week, weekday. But for churches, I think that's not necessary. Here we go, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We're not talking about just gathering the church. Of course, it's talking about gathering. Can you say what verse that was real quick? Hebrews right 10, 25. 10, 25. Oh, you did name yeah. it at the beginning? Yeah. Oh, I didn't hear it. Sorry. Yeah. So, oh, it's, yeah, sorry. It's, uh, yeah, it's on there. Um, so, like, we're not just talking about, like, gathering on Sundays. We're talking about, like, the apostles, like, they, they house to house daily, exhorting one another daily. Like, anyways, that's my word. What's going on? Um, well, I was going to say that it, it's – in the conversations that we've had, it's it's been a lot of, it's this group's fault. It's, it is rare that it's all it's it's a certain individual or group's fault. A relationship is a two way street. It is not and an, it's not. Now look, someone on this part of the relationship may do something wrong that pulls this that pulls this side away. That might happen. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, in order for things to work, you have to put. I mean, I'm gonna say something. You may uh, dis- or you may not, you may disagree with Miguel. Um, even introverts have to take a step. Mm-hmm. My wife is a perfect example of that. That's true. They have to take a step. You but even have extroverts to. have to take a step back. Yes, everyone has yes. to take a step. Somewhere. You have to take a step, and, and it's almost like, and I I honestly feel this way. I feel like our generation <sighs> needs too much connection. It's like we need to go above. And beyond for you to even step through the door to have mm. any sort of commitment. It's like no, yeah. you are committed to Christ, not this building, not this church, not this, not this people. These people are going to f- are going to mess up. So what do you? It, it, it would be like a yearn and desire. If you yearn it, to live for got, Christ and you desire to yes, draw closer not, to Christ, it's not the church's responsibility to kind of give you some sort of like tactful way to do that. And it's, it's not. E- it's not even their place to even place necessarily that desire in you. Right. It's Christ's job, and he will. Mm-hmm. He's, I mean, uh, what that looks like is different for every church. We yes. reach the people differently than other churches do. Mm. So wherever or however we reach them, just jump in. Yes. Gotcha. So, it, I mean, the introverts can find things to do. You don't have to go out and be in front of anyone doing anything that causes you to have a lot of attention. So we'll have an introvert Bible study group. <laughs> Nothing would be said. Nothing will be said. <laughs> Tony, what's up? The the thing is, on, while it is responsible, like an introvert should make a step, right? It has to be the church's job to enable the introvert, uh, the introvert, right? So, for example, rather than if you're a big church, right? If a new guest is there or someone new isn't going to know necessarily that they need to sign up over here, right? Unless you tell them, you need to have announcements and things like, look, you want if you're a new member of the church. You want to join some fellowship or experience something? There's a sign-up sheet right there. We will reach out and we'll get in touch with you so that we can, uh, you know, connect with you and create a fellowship. You know right? who do really who, who does a really good job with that? Huge churches do that. Believe it or not, uh, Metro Church. Um, Life when church. I was, yeah, huh? Life Church. Uh, no, no, no. Metro Church in D.C. When we were um, located in um, in Alexandria, uh, we went to D.C. Metro, or they call it Metro Church. They did a phenomenal job at that. They they had these Star Wars like wands and they'll tell us look behind us if you're new and they're just w- you know waving it in the air and they have shirts says come here we welcome you and then but the thing is the welcoming session was like five minutes but no one guided you there they just said come here 
And then you walk and you sat down and you watched like a two-minute video or so of how the church was started. And then at the time, it was David Stein. He was there. But, but yeah, yeah, I think the church needs to learn the science behind people's personalities. I have to say something. It's an itch. I have to say it. Okay. What's the itch? I think that could be a problem. Because, again, I actually disagree with the fact that it's the church's job to enable the people. I'm not saying the no. church has to do it. It's what just I'm, a nice but right, like but the, compliment the lights, to the church. I feel like that. I feel like you should go out of your way to disciple others. I feel like you could also go too far and bring. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? No. Well, he, so go ahead, Miguel. Uh, okay. I'm seeing where you both are. You don't want to have too much on one side. You don't want to have not enough on the other. Basically, what is going on here is there's not enough information being transmitted from the pulpit to the people to be able to get themselves connected to where they need to be, right? That, that, that's, that's where the issue is because if anyone were to say that the church that they're going to has no plugs, has no way for them to get connected, has no way for them to get uh, integrated with everyone else in the, in, the, in the body, I guarantee you that person just missed the information. Why? Because every church is all about, I take that back, a good church and most churches that are run correctly with God being the actual head and everyone else falling underneath him mm-hmm. is going to have ways for people to get connected very easily. So anyone who uses that as an excuse has either attended a church that was too small and not run properly mm-hmm. or did not get the message when it was shared. I think yeah. the, I think the, the first one was really true. Um, a lot of these small churches, unfortunately, they're, they're Spanish churches. They're ran by narcissistic pastors who want everything to go through them, like some form of oh, mother, that's, that's, like that's a churches, motherboard. That's churches uh, in general. That's any church. Bro. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Nice. But well, I mean, pray you're in, ex- you're in your experience. experience. Right. It's, yeah. So um, last point here is the lack of church maintenance. I want to get like two, three responses. Short financial burdens. People find that churches are pushing for tithing. Um, they're not explaining um, when the Bible talks about not being uh, compulsive, right, because of people of pressure or compelled to give, but give out of a joyousness out of, out of your heart. And so churches say, we need a new fan. We need more money. We need a new parking lot. We need more money. We need new pianos. We need Airplane. new uh, a plane, jet plane. We need more money. And so people are like, Rolex. wait, yes. I don't want to go to this church because they're, they're pressing too much in my pocket. I don't have the kind of money to do that. And they accompany these things with false hope. They say, when you give for this new fan, so you get this nice fresh air, God will bless you with something twice bigger than this. A mug. I was, I was just one thing to say, and that is, I'm saying this as gracefully as possible, but it is very true. Foolish people enable foolish pastors. Mm. If foolish people did not exist, those foolish pastors would never be in the position that they're in right now. Well, gotcha. well, I don't think the leadership should allow foolish people to control them. I think, I think. No, I'm, we're t- we're, we're, like I said, it works both ways. Yeah, pastor congregation, but you're you're, I am you're pastoring a bunch of fools. Well, right, you're sheep. So if you're if you're a bad pastor, then agreed. Then, then people who are foolish enough to stay there are they're they're fools. I don't think I've ever heard of this one. Okay. I don't. I don't think uh, I ever uh, have. Tony, you get the last word. Perhaps or not. Miguel. Actually, I would say this would tie in almost in the same way that hypocrisy does, right? 
Um, if if a church is constantly asking for money to do good, but then you see a pastor with Word. a multi million dollar mansion or a mm. jet, which no pastor should ever have in a million years. There's no pastor, in my opinion, that should ever have. Wait, wait, wait! One like pastor that. did have it, and his name is Ravi Zacharias. Had it. He hey, felt sure. the he's need. Not a pastor. He's not a pastor. No, 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 no. He did conduct himself like a pastor. He did preach in multiple he occasions. He was an apologist. He was not a pastor. No, a but he was considered an elder. He was appointed as oh, an I agree. elder. Okay, yeah, he was an elder of church. But, but uh, there's no, there's no <laughs> reason whatsoever that a pastor should ever have that, right? Though if you have that much money to live with those means, then that money should be going somewhere else. It should be going to serve God and not to serve your multi-million dollar mansion and your wait staff. Does that apply to anyone else? I'm not a pastor. <laughs> Okay, so wait, wait. I, I, can we go that? Wait, Jordan, Jordan. We, we, we know we'll have to go that on okay, the next. Not preachers and sneakers podcast. <laughs> oh no! All right, so we're gonna we're yeah, gonna Tony. end we're gonna end it there. Uh, Tony, t- finish your thought. I, I interrupted you. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and it goes back to that hypocrisy. Like, why would you donate to a church if you see that pastor spending that money not for God, Agreed. but for frivolous pursuits? Mm. And I don't, I don't, Big brain. don't misquote me, right? I don't believe that a pastor should drive a 2002 Honda Corolla because he's a pastor. What about a 2001 van Toyota I don't Sienna. believe they should necessarily drive that either. <laughs> but if you can afford an Aston Martin or a Lamborghini in a $2 million mansion as a pastor, you're doing it wrong. And you're a part of the wrong church if your pastor has that. I'm not saying that a pastor can't live to where he can give a nice home to his family or a nice car to his family. But no pastor in the world needs a billion dollar jet or a million dollar house. You, wait, you know what I noticed? I noticed that these word of faith preachers are the ones with lots of money, and they're the ones with bigger houses. You ever notice a lot of these Protestant preachers don't have any of that? Paul Washer lives in the forest. John MacArthur lives in the hill with a cheap house. Billy Graham had well, not a lot of his books. Hang a lie, right? You also have Marge Risco at a small little home in Arizona. But these pastors are way, I would say. Um, they, they really do speak the truth of Scripture, but then you have Stephen Furtick, who, who I guess he deserves a, a massive house. Joyce Myers has a massive house. She's not a pastor. She's not a pastor, but people claim her to be a pastor. She's not. Okay, nonetheless, guys, we're about to end it off right here because these were not just the top three, but these were top like million. the top million. So what we will do is we will come up with the top three reasons why people stay in the church and there should be only one there is there is only there is only one reason why but i th- i think that um there's a lot of great fundamentals like mom and dad ra- ro- like raising me in, in a house in a christian faith and they were great leaders so pretty much the alternative the opposing views of these would be everything good mom and dad were really great parents right oh i saw great examples in the midst of all that, guys, I hope this episode has been nothing but nutritious to your soul. I hope everyone who's been listening can say, I learned something. I got an entirely new perspective. Christian Gaines. Christian Gaines. Come on, Miguel. We all, know, we all know you enjoyed all hey, LG White's books. Miguel. End it before us. Go ahead. End it for us. LG White. Wow. LG White. Girl. <laughs> All right, guys, with all that being said and done, may the grace of God and the peace of the Holy Spirit guide you into all blessings. My new email will be posted on the description uh, box below. Until next time, deuces.